Welcome back to season three of the Human Experience Podcast, hosted by me, Kiara Marie. I am a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, functional nutritional therapy practitioner, and root cause protocol consultant. I'm here to share my human experience as well as have powerful conversations with the leaders in the health and wellness space. The Human Experience Podcast began because I truly believe our souls are here to experience a wide range of emotions, make mistakes, own our past traumas that led us to make them, and face our deepest fears in order to grow. The Human Experience is a conversation about self-development, conscious awareness, and normal human responses, and connecting emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual health. The Human Experience promises to deliver authenticity and diversity. The Human Experience community is a group of humans doing the work so they can live their lives to their fullest potential and are here to break intergenerational family patterns so generations to come can too. At The Human Experience, we're diving deep. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy the show. All right, guys, I have Casey Goins on the Human Experience Podcast, and I'm so excited to chat with her today. There's so much that we want to cover, um, so we're just going to dive right in. But for those who don't know you, Casey, can you tell us a little bit about you and your background? I find this really interesting, and I think um, our audience will too. Yeah, definitely. So currently, right now, I'm an ADAPT trained functional health practitioner. Um, So I actually have a background in Western medicine. Um, And so it's kind of interesting because I've got, I feel like I've got like that fusion between like modern medicine, Western medicine, and then also like moving into more of the functional space. So my background is actually as a physician's assistant. Um, I graduated in 2015 with my PA license and started practicing medicine immediately. Um, And I've been there for almost six years now working in family practice. But I kind of felt like as I got deeper into Western medicine, um, there were just a lot of things that I didn't have answers for. And so I went back to school Um, studied under Chris Crosser and became a graduate of his ADAPT ADAPT program through the Crosser Institute. So now um, I'm working in more of like the functional space and helping women overcome hormonal imbalances and heal their metabolism. That's awesome. And I don't even think I shared this with you, Casey, but um, I graduated college in 2015 and I I graduated with a communications degree, but I've had this passion for health for as long as I can remember. And mainly like women's health and even like OBGYN, like uh, maternity interests. I grew up watching Birthday on the Discovery Channel. Like as a kid, (laughs) I would come home from school and I would just like binge watch it. It was so interesting to me just from a very young age. And Um, So I didn't feel fulfilled like after graduating with a communications degree, but I wanted to go back to school and I actually wanted to do the PA route for a little bit. I like was so serious about it, was getting ready to apply. And then, um, I don't know, I started learning more about like this, this side of health and wellness and that felt more aligned to me. And so I didn't go that route and ended up like trying to pursue my symptoms because I think at the time I knew that you know, what they were training um, their PAs for and what, you know, what methods they used and stuff. And I thought, okay, if I go this route, yes, I would have the credentials that I would maybe want, but maybe I would, I don't know, just the learning of knowing what I know now and then learning the opposite was kind of like, I don't know, is this right for me? So I went another route and um, 
that's kind of what led me to where I am today. But what, what symptoms were you not getting answers for you mentioned? Yeah. So if, so if I kind of back up a little bit when I, so I kind of like settled on being a PA in like 10th grade, <laughs> it was something that I was like, I'm, I'm going to do this. Um, I wanted like the flexibility of it. And my mom was very heavily involved in the medical field. And so I, I just like kind of grew up with that. And I really like went to PA school feeling like I'm going to help so many people. Like I'm going to help solve complex chronic illnesses and people are going to feel better by working with me. Um, but like the more that I got into medicine, the more that I felt like not only did I not have answers for things for people, um, but I also started to learn about the politics of medicine and just how like insurance driven things are and how money driven modern medicine is. And I felt like I was pill pushing. Like I felt like I was just writing prescriptions for things that didn't need prescriptions. Um, and so while I was actually in PA school, I was kind of battling with my own health issues. I was heavily involved in the fitness industry and bodybuilding. Um, and I was on a pretty like calorie restricted, carb restricted diet. I was over exercising and like my health was a mess. Um, I like was constipated and anxious and I wasn't sleeping. I lost my period for a few years, but I thought that like, that was just normal in like the health and fitness industry. Um, so I had like this really warped view of food and nutrition and health. Like I thought that I was doing all of the right things. And like, I had no, I had really, really no nutrition education. Like everything that I had learned that I was doing was just like what I gathered from the internet, which at that point was like, you know, if you, if you wanted to be shredded, you needed to eat like tilapia and broccoli all the time. And so that's what I was doing. Um, which was like terrible for me, which I know now, but, um, you know, so I, I had all of these symptoms and, and we got no nutrition education in PA school whatsoever, like not even a single class on it, you know? And so if we're, if we're supposed to be healers, you know, then, then we really should be targeting the root and the source of a lot of our chronic diseases and our, our symptoms and I, I had no education on how to actually do that. It was just, you have this condition, you have this syndrome, here's a pill to fix it. And that's, that's really what I felt like it was like. And so, you know, I had all of my own health issues and I, I didn't have a, a solution for what was going on with me. It was like, oh, you're not sleeping, take some Benadryl and you're constipated, start taking Miralax. Like I was just kind of like bandaging all of them instead of actually going to the true root cause, which was that I was completely stressing my body out by under-eating and over-exercising. But I didn't find that out until much later, <laughs> um, after I had been in medicine for a few years and finally stumbled upon like the functional health space, which I didn't even know existed. So, you know, I, I think really where a lot of my interest in functional health and functional nutrition came in was not only like having my own health struggles and having my gastroenterologist tell me, um, we don't know why you're constipated, but just take Miralax every day, drink more water and eat more fiber and you'll be fine. But I was already doing those things and clearly it wasn't working. And so I wanted like a deeper answer. I wanted, you know, a solution for like why I felt the way that I did. 
Um, and I, I wasn't getting that from Western medicine. And then like on the flip side, you know, I kind of like to tell people that I've been on both sides of the table. So I've been on the exam table, having my own health issues. And I've been on the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, just writing prescriptions and, you know, telling people like, I don't know why you're bloated or I don't know why your periods are so heavy. I don't know why you have these hormonal imbalances because I wasn't actually taught that nutrition and lifestyle were really the root of everything. So it's really, it's really just kind of like this, this interesting, you know, seeing like both perspectives of things. Um, and then, like I said, too, as, you know, as I started to get deeper into medicine and like telling people, like, I don't know why your periods are terrible. I don't know why you developed PCOS or IBS or whatever. Um, I found myself just kind of pill pushing, you know, like writing prescriptions for antidepressants, for birth control, um, you know, antibiotics for clearly what was like a viral infection. And I just kind of felt like nobody really wanted to actually change the way that they were living or the way that they were eating. Um, and so that became very frustrating to me. And really the, the way that healthcare is like insurance driven was also very frustrating. Um, I don't know how many, how many people actually know this, but the, the more patients that you see or the more complex cases you see, the higher you can bill, the greater the insurance premiums, the higher the payout. So there's kind of this push in medicine to like see more patients, do more work, write more prescriptions because it's more money for the insurance companies. Wow. Yeah. It's so good to know that, for, yeah. especially for anyone who's new entering this field. Um, I mean, I was just, gosh, Casey, I had no idea our stories were so, so similar. I mean, I know like any practitioner in this field, we have similar stories and like you know, not having answers from Western medicine and with mm -hmm. our chronic health symptoms, but gosh, like literally everything that you said from tilapia and broccoli to my GI doctor is telling me <laughs> to eat more, more uh, fiber and drink more water. And they couldn't, they didn't know why I was experiencing any of the symptoms that I did. They ran all the tests. I did mm -hmm. one of those, um, was it uh, HIPAA or HIPAA, like gallbladder tests? Like yeah, the HIDA. The HIDA test. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. And that, you know, they made you drink like, what is it? Like radioactive water or something. Yeah. And, uh, I just, they're like, yeah, everything's fine. Everything's fine. And endoscopies, yeah. like everything came back normal. And, you know, they just said you have IBS and, you know, take this medication and, mm -hmm. um, you know, laxatives help. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, there has to be more, there has to be more. And I'm so glad you yeah. brought that up about the insurance companies, because I, like I was saying for anyone new entering this field, I, I was there, you know, I was the one going to my doctor because they had to have all the answers. Right. And that right. wasn't enough. So I went to the ER and thought they must have the answer because this is an emergency. <laughs> yes. Myself out. <laughs> I was in tears. Like, so many times going to the ER and never ever left with an answer ever. And um, I think I always tell people like, I think Western medicine may serve a time and a place like with Absolutely. trauma, like, you know, true trauma. I don't know what to do with your broken arm. Like they have all of the resources, all the tools that they need. Like, thank God for that. But yes. when it comes to our chronic health issues, like mm -hmm. you just said, like, I don't think doctors even get a, a good solid 
an hour or so of nutrition and nutrition is foundational. The way we live our lives is foundational. I don't think we're taught any of that by our doctors. Um, oh yeah, we're, we're definitely not. Um, yeah, I don't remember have any, having any education on it whatsoever. And, you know, I've got friends that have gone to med school that also, you know, got no, hardly any education. But we're taught to like go to the doctor whenever we feel sick and we trust them because they wear like a white coat and, you know, I, I'll just trust yeah. my doctor. I'll, uh, I'll uh, trust my pharmacist and, um, you know, not to say like all doctors are, you know, just out for the money or whatever, you know, I, I do, right. thank God, my PCP actually was like, all right, you know, your case is really complex. Why don't you look into functional medicine? And that led me down a rabbit hole. And that's kind of how I got here. So thank goodness for her oh, okay. just understanding like, okay, like I can't help you try this. So what a blessing. Yeah. yeah. Which is really cool because I, I like just, I just like randomly stumbled into the field. Like I, I didn't even know that it was something that existed and I don't remember how I fell into it actually. Um, but it was, it was like a whole other, it's like this whole other universe, you know, mm-hmm. because like you hit the nail on the head, you know, we should, we should be seeking out medical care and going to our doctor just to make sure that, you know, that there's nothing really serious, you know, uh, that, you know, you're not constipated because there's cancer present or, you know what I mean? Like, so we should be seeking out medical care. And I a hundred percent believe in Western medicine when it comes to traumas and car accidents. I mean, you know, things like that. Absolutely. But, um, you know, we really should be kind of, I guess, taking the initiative to, um, to really, to really make sure that we're putting our health first and foremost. Um, and, and I think that's where like the functional space can come in. So, so when I dove into it, like I didn't know that SIBO even existed. Like I was not taught that in school. Um, so lots of, lots of learning and lots of unlearning too. Oh yeah. And like you just said, it's good to make sure that all of our bases are covered. Like I think having a health team is, is awesome. Like I can't yeah. be someone's like soul. I don't know. I, I think at the end of the day, we need to take full responsibility for our own well-being and yeah. know that at the end of the day, that's, that's really all we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and then seeking out the resources. Like I'm just a resource for someone, you know? Yeah. Um, but okay. So how did you learn to bridge the gap? Um, I guess like, you know, with what answers you weren't getting from Western medicine and what answers that you have now, I guess, for women, like, where did you start and what did that look like? Yeah. Um, so I guess, um, I guess when it comes to like, you know, bridging, bridging that gap, I have taken a lot of what I've learned in functional medicine and functional nutrition into my Western medicine practice. So, you know, patients that come in that are now dealing with bloating or constipation or, um, period problems. Like the first thing I ask them is about their nutrition and their lifestyle, their stress levels, um, you know, how they're sleeping. And I think that's, that's not something that most practitioners will take the time to do. And that's why things are so different between the two worlds. You know, if you, if you go to your doctor with, um, with period problems, with really heavy, painful periods, like the solution is going to be like, Oh, here's some birth control. Um, and so, you know, most people don't think to ask about, well, how are you eating? How are you living? Do you like your job? Are you sleeping? 
Um, and so all of those things are really important. Um, but I kind of started doing like some self-experimentation too. So when I learned a little bit more about like how food functions in the body and started to increase my carb intake, increase my calories, um, and really, you know, kind of honing in on where my nutrients were coming from and started, you know, using some supplementation to help me through it as well. I think that's when things really started to change. Mm -hmm. Um, that's awesome. And were you ever on birth control? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I was on birth control for almost 15 years. Oh my um, God. Yeah. Yeah. So I started birth control when I was, I, I think I had just turned 16 and I was basically bedridden by my period three months. So the cramps were so bad. I literally could not move from the fetal position. Um, and so I was missing school and like my parents were concerned, you know, like you're missing the first two days of school every single month. Like this is a big problem. So I went on birth control at 16 for that. And I mean, it, it worked, you know, it, it suppressed the symptoms and my periods uh, felt better and I didn't have as much pain. So I was going to school regularly. And then when I was, I think I was 20 two, maybe I switched over to an IUD, um, because I didn't, I I really, it's more for like selfish reasons. Like I didn't want to have to deal with like just having a period every month. Um, because it was like, I don't know. I just, I saw them as like, you know, messy and like it interfered with my life and vacations. So I went the IUD route. Um, and I did that for probably six years before I got that removed. Um, but it's it's really interesting too because uh, I think like when you really start to to learn to like pay attention to your body and what you're like putting in your body, um, I you know there's really there's really like this big shift that happens right because now um, I, I I think that having a menstrual cycle is obviously like it, it tells us something you know there's. Um, it, it is like truly that fifth vital sign, just like, like the book is titled. <laughs> um, so it, it tells us a lot about what's happening inside of our bodies. And I always thought that it was something that was like, it's a pain, it's a problem, um, it's messy and inconvenient. But now it's like, well, this is actually like really cool that my hormones fluctuate like this every single month. So I got off birth control in, actually it was in 2020. So it was, it was not too long ago that I, that I got my IUD out. Yeah. Um, and that was something that I actually kind of fought with for a while because I knew that it wasn't great for my body, but at the same time it was like, Oh, like, but it's working and I don't want to get pregnant yet. And it's so convenient. So it was a big mental fight for a while. So how has that been going? Like coming off of it, what did that look like? And what are you doing now to prevent pregnancy? Yeah. So, um, I, so I tried, what I really tried focusing on was supporting my body, um, before I came off of birth control, because I, you know, have heard, um, horror stories, not only from clients, but from my patients too, of, you know, like the rebound after going off of the pill, like your skin flares up and, you know, your periods are terrible. Like all of your symptoms come back with like a vengeance, but you can support your body to prepare to come off of birth control. And so, 
Um, so that for me, it looked like making sure that I was honing in on really nutrient dense foods, um, you know, taking like beef liver capsules, eating oysters, making sure I'm packing in the B vitamins, because that's one thing that, you know, birth control like just totally drains and depletes our body of nutrients. Uh, B vitamins are a big one, zinc, selenium, uh, magnesium, and it also suppresses stomach acid too. So if your stomach acid is low, you're not digesting and absorbing things well. And so it's just like this whole conglomeration, like this cascade effect of like bad stuff. Um, and some people come off of birth control and they're totally fine. Like they go right back to having normal periods. Like their body is just very resilient to that. But I, I didn't want to take any chances. And after being on it for almost 15 years, I was like, you know, I really needed to make sure that I was setting myself up for success. So really hitting the nutrients hard, the beef liver, the oysters, um, you know, lots of fruits, making sure that I'm getting enough vitamin C um, and just a lot of trace minerals, magnesium, potassium, um, and really just kind of working on managing stress a little bit better. So coming off of the IUD was actually, for me, it was, it was not bad at all. Um, it was weird. I think probably the biggest thing that I noticed was my libido came back, which I didn't realize had been an issue, um, until, you know, because like you just deal with it. <laughs> um, so that returned and my emotions came back. So that was a really interesting one because, I never realized that I had felt a little bit emotionally flat while I was on birth control until I came off of birth control. And I was like, whoa, you know, like I actually like can feel things to like a, like a stronger intensity than I was able to when I was on birth control. So. Wow. I love that you said that. And I think, I don't know, that just like made me think of a conversation that I've had with clients um, or just friends, like I didn't realize how good I could feel until mm -hmm. I actually stopped eating the, the inflammatory food or whatever it may be, mm -hmm. birth control, whatever, um, until you actually do it. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting. I've actually never heard that with birth control, but I've, I've heard like anxiety, like just completely went away for some people after just getting off of yeah. it. It's like night and day differences, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, so what have you been doing to prevent pregnancy now? Oh, yeah. So I've been really diving. So two different things. Um, so I've really been diving deep into the fertility awareness method. And so um, kind of leaning into that a, a little bit more. But since we're not currently trying to conceive, I'm, we're just making sure things are safe. So continuing to use a barrier method also. But fertility awareness is really, really cool. Um, and it was, again, like this was not something that I really knew anything about until maybe the last year or so. So it's, and I think partially it's just because it didn't apply to me. You know, since I had the IUD, it was like, well, I don't need to worry about tracking, <laughs> tracking anything because um, I'm covered. So I really dove into it within the last year or so, um, started tracking temperatures um, and cervical fluid and just, um, so I use an app on my phone. I use Kendara, um, to track like my temperatures and my cervical fluid and, um, like just kind of how I'm feeling, um, you know, like when my cycles are, uh, you know, peak day ovulation. So that I think has, it's given me a lot of awareness about my hormones, um, which is really cool. Uh, but we're still kind of using a barrier method too, just to be a little extra safe. 
So were you able to start ovulating again, like right after getting off the IUD? It was, yeah. So it was weird for like the first couple months. Um, things were a little bit erratic. So like I had a menstrual cycle and it was lighter and shorter than normal. And then I was late having my next cycle by like a week or so, but I kind of expected that. Um, but yeah, I, ovulation actually returned rather quickly. I think within probably the first like two to three months or so. Um, and so I, that was actually something that I was not really expecting. I, I honestly thought that that would take longer for my body to like kind of bounce back from that. Um, so, so yeah, definitely using like that temperature method. I think it's really cool too. Like if you are tracking your cycles, um, to see that spike, your temperature spike on the graph to know like, yep, okay, <laughs> I ovulated, it happened. Yeah. Uh, and then tracking like just the changes in cervical fluid too. You know, that was, that's always, uh, that was something that I never really thought anything of. I'm like, well, that looks different today. Um, but really like knowing what it means and how it applies to what's happening with your hormone fluctuations is, it's just a really cool thing to be able to like be that in tune with your body. Oh yeah, definitely. I like Kendara too. And I have like a, just a really cheap thermometer off Amazon. And I also have, um, temp drop. Okay. See, I don't have temp drop yet. I was looking into it, but I did. Yeah. My, my thermometer was like 10 bucks on Amazon. So yeah, that works too. And I, Mm -hmm. I always guide women to like, start with that. And then like, if you start to feel really comfortable with it, like just moving up, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. both are awesome and then just having a good basal body thermometer like to check temps in the middle of the day too for your metabolism um is as well um but v so your body was under quite some stress for a really long time and like on top of that when you were on birth control i guess you were still doing like bodybuilding and you know eating broccoli and tilapia (laughs) in retrospect I'm like I just remember like having to force myself to eat that and I did not enjoy that food whatsoever and I was like very much into like meal prepping on Sundays and by the end of the week it just pizza like by Wednesday it was just like I don't want this and it was wasteful like I didn't I didn't enjoy it (laughs) yeah yeah and I so I actually found Um, I actually found that, um, well, and and this is just like basic human physiology too, is, you know, the more that you restrict yourself and the more you tell yourself that you can't have certain things, the more that your body will crave it and want it. And so I, I was completely food obsessed. I actually think I mentioned this on Instagram yesterday, but I was like very food focused. Like I would eat and then immediately think about my next meal. And like, all I could think about was like, what am I going to make next? Um, what am I having for dinner? And I was like, there was no space in my brain or space in my life for anything other than food and working out. And it was, it was very, it was very obsessive and it took away from so much in my life too. You know, like I, I didn't enjoy time with family and friends. I wouldn't go out to eat with people. Um, like I, I remember I couldn't even enjoy popcorn with my dad watching a movie one night. Like I had a total meltdown because popcorn didn't fit into my macros. So, yeah, so it was, it was, it, you know, that stress with the stress of being on birth control, the stress of school, um, my, you know, my body had definitely gone through a lot. And I think that's the case for many of us too, 
without even realizing it, without even realizing how much stress our body is actually under, just on like, we're just bombarded with it on a day-to-day basis. You know, if we're under eating, we're exercising too much, our blood sugar is unbalanced, and then we're going to school and we're working and we've got kids and just all of these things add up. And sometimes you don't even realize it until your health starts to deteriorate. Oh my God. I'm seriously so glad that you brought that up. And I didn't even think about that until you just said that I was so food obsessed. Like I (laughs) talked about food all the time. I was a foodie. I, I mean, I still am, but it's, you're right. It doesn't take up as much space in my, in my, in my head, which I now reserve for like truly enjoying life. Um, gosh, I was so into deep into if it fits your macros and I was like preaching about it and I just, carb is a carb and it's all the same. And yep. <laughs> oh my God. I'm just like, what it was I even thinking? Um, but you know, you, you live and you learn and here we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. and yeah, that was, it, it's toxic. Like it's such a toxic way of living um and it's all because of diet culture and like aesthetics and not really uh, i guess this kind of connects you know going to western medicine because they don't emphasize like the true health markers um and so what we're focused on is like leanness and how that yes to health and gosh that's not that's not it all the time guys um and i feel like as women especially like having um more weight on us can actually really support us in our health markers and um having a healthy period like you were saying like you were under eating Mm -hmm. and so you you missed your period for like a couple years right yeah 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 oh my gosh but um that's something that's been coming up into my practice a lot like you know I'm gaining weight with eating this way or Mm -hmm. not even in my practice but just like women on Instagram and I'm like okay like you know, there are obviously like a few questions that I would ask, but also at the end of the day, like, were you under eating? Is this where your body feels safe? Like what other health markers are you keeping track of? Um, so I don't know if you can like speak to that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like (laughs) there were so many things that you said that I'm like, Oh, like we could probably like sidetrack and go into like all of these different topics. Uh, it's funny because I've actually been getting a lot of, a lot of comments about weight too. And, you know, there is kind of like this concept of, of safety weight. So, you know, when we're coming from a place where we're under eating, we've been restricting and, um, you know, we're undernourished too. Like we're not getting the appropriate amount of amino acids and fat soluble vitamins and trace minerals that we need. Um, you know, our body will feel like it's being starved and we'll stay in this kind of like starvation mode where our stress hormones, cortisol is high. Um, and, and like, that's a lot for our body to have to, to try to survive on, you know? And so we're essentially running on stress hormones and running on cortisol, um, you know, and, and definitely coming from Western medicine, you know, it's so funny. I, so as like a little side note, um, I have, one of our medical assistants, she came from pediatrics and she loved working in pediatrics because every time the kid would step on the scale, they would be like, oh, like so excited. They weigh like 55 pounds or whatever, you know, and like, they're just so excited that they're gaining weight. And then you transition over to family medicine. And every time somebody steps on the scale, it's like, oh, <laughs> they hate that number. Um, So there's just, there's this whole thing about like weight and BMI and everybody is so focused on 
you know, being lean or being fit. Um, I especially, you know, find this a lot in women that it, you know, and obviously a lot of it is just perpetuated by, you know, media, social media, uh, you know, advertising, modeling um, about like what a body is supposed to look like. But, you know, if we're just going based on our BMI or the weight on the scale or what size jeans we wear, like we're missing the bigger picture, you know, because you could be in like a healthy BMI range or a size two in your jeans. But if your energy is terrible, you can't get out of bed in the morning because you're so fatigued. If you're depressed, you're anxious, you're freezing cold all the time, um, you've lost your period or your periods are irregular, they're heavy, painful, you're constipated, bloated. Like these are all, those are all like the right markers of health that we really should be looking for in the first place is just like, is my body actually functioning right? You know? Yeah. I think that's where it gets missed. Oh yeah, for sure. We have to learn these things just like I have had to unlearn some things and learn new things. Um, And we need enough food to be able to do and meet those health markers and be supportive to our body's metabolism. Um, So my next question to you is, do you still track calories or or food in any way? No, I don't. It was, it was, this was a very tough break for me. So, um, so if, so in my, um, in my background, I actually worked with a macro coach for about four years. And this was, this was like during PA school and a little bit afterward too. Um, so I meticulously tracked macros for four years and I've been through dieting, reverse dieting, carb cycling. I mean, like you name it. But I was so, I was so strict. Um, I had, (laughs) I had an Excel spreadsheet and I would like literally plan out my whole week of macros. And, and that's what I would, that's what I would go based on because I was too afraid to like under eat on protein and overeat on carbs. Like I was terrified that I was just going to like put on a bunch of weight. Um, so it was really obsessive. Um, and you know, like to the point where I couldn't enjoy anything and like, I wouldn't go out to eat or whatever because it, it didn't fit. And then I got to the point where, um, it's like so vulnerable, but, um, I think a lot of people can probably relate to this, but I got to the point where I was restricting myself during the day and I would save up as many calories as, as I could before bed, because I was finding that if I spaced my meals out, like, like, you know, normal, like breakfast, lunch, dinner, and a couple snacks that I would wake up in the middle of the night starving. And I, I wouldn't get up to eat because it didn't fit my macros. So I would purposely save up calories for the end of the night so that I wasn't waking up in the middle of the night hungry. So then it just became this very like, this just really like erratic disordered relationship where like I didn't want to eat because I was, but then I was like scared of being hungry. So that took, that took a lot of work to get through. So um, I don't track anymore. Um, I feel like it could it could lead into some really like old bad habits and kind of go downhill fast. It was also another, um, another big mental thing for me to throw out my scale. So that sat in our bathroom and that was, I I eventually just like threw it in the trash because I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Sharing that with us. 
I, it just makes me so sad. Like, cause I have felt that way too. Like where I won't go out to eat and I will just suffer. It was like, mm-hmm. I wanted to cry at tables sometimes. Because yeah. I was, like how sad is that? That yeah. I'm just like, I want to cry. Cause it's like, so many people are still doing it too. I know. And like, there's another way to enjoy your food and still like, yeah. I don't know, just feel even better inside of your body than you yeah. do now. Just counting calories and just focusing so much attention there and so much needs to change um but I had a very tough break with it too I Mm -hmm. hired a very popular coach in the in the fitness field and I you know sent her pictures before Mm -hmm. and she formulated my macros and I just went strictly based off that and Mm -hmm. that became a pattern for or just like my thing for um maybe like three years and I was like all right that's it no more but then I found myself like doing things inside of my head like whenever I look at yes that's roughly like 50 grams of carbs and like 40 grams of protein like I know this um so that was like really hard to break too so it was like okay I was done with the app but then it was just like a mental thing and then slowly like as I just began to really focus on fat uh, soluble vitamins and trace minerals and stuff and balancing blood sugar like those became way more important and slowly but surely I, mm-hmm. I don't even know like what I mean yeah like I, I still have an idea but that's not like what I'm looking at at all um and I just go based off of my hunger cues and mm-hmm. but I guess I was just asking because I know in this whole metabolism sphere there's like um you know certain calorie requirements that a woman should meet you know just in order like yeah. I was saying to to meet those health markers so their body feels yeah. safe enough and stuff um but you probably have an understanding of that and guide your clients on how to do that too yeah and I think that there's some experimentation too because everybody's like coming in from a different place you know like if if you were meticulously tracking at like 12 or 1300 calories and you jump right up to 2000 like you're probably not going to feel very good so there is like I said, you know, everybody is just kind of coming in at a little bit of a different place. And so it's, it's just finding like what works best for someone on like a day-to-day basis that they can just continue to chip away at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So I want to talk about, you know, some tips that we can give everyone mm-hmm. when it comes to birth control. Um, were you ever diagnosed with IBS? Like, did they ever give you that diagnosis or they were just like, we don't know what's wrong. (laughs) I don't know that it's officially on my record. Um, but yeah, I, I, if, if, so if it was IBS, it was IBS C, IBS constipation. Same. Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Gosh, we had so many similar things, but, um, really IBS is just a label of symptoms that's all it is and that's how I see everything now like it's just a symptom and I think so many of us are out chasing symptoms like what can I do for constipation (laughs) you know and it's like well what's your lifestyle like (laughs) what's you have going on in your life have you had any emotional trauma like (laughs) it's so much more than (laughs) taking something for the constipation you know um, and I think people want to hear that. And I tell my clients this all the time, but like so many of us are used to being handed a prescription medication yeah. and having the issue resolve within 24 hours and you're good. But what does that do? It only perpetuates the cycle. And then you're coming back for another prescription and you're just like, it's, it's yeah. a never ending thing. Um, so what I always try to, uh, emphasize with my clients is that 
we're peeling back so many layers mm-hmm. the women I see are anywhere from 20 to like 60, 60 years old. Um, and you can just imagine like the, the toxic burden that they're buckets, right. Um, yeah. have been overflowing for a really long time. And so if you've never stepped into this way of eating before, um, even women who think that, I mean, I thought I was eating healthy, but I was yeah. diabetic. I had candida. I had blood sugar issues. I was infertile quote unquote. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's totally different. So I guess what I'm trying to ask you is where does someone start if they have I don't know, all the symptoms that we've talked about today? Yeah. I, so I always think that it comes back to you know, obviously like honing in on your metabolism. And, and I think that, I think the word like even metabolism has gotten like a really bad reputation because if you ask somebody about metabolism, you know, they'll, you know, it's always in the context of like, so-and-so has a fast, fast metabolism. They can eat whatever they want. And that's not necessarily what we're talking about. Um, it always comes back down to are your cells getting the nutrients that they need to perform their functions, like on a microscopic level. Um, and so, you know, when it comes to, just like you said earlier, like IBS is, is a constellation of symptoms. It's a syndrome. It's not actually, uh, truly a condition, you know, it's, it's a, a list of symptoms and, and do you check, you know, the certain number of boxes to be, you know, to meet the criteria of having, having IBS. Um, and it's also a diagnosis of exclusion. So you have to make sure that nothing else is wrong in the body first before they can call it IBS. Um, but it always comes back down to, you know, is the body properly nourished and, you know, how, like, how resilient is your body to stress? Because I, I think that, um, you know, there are so many stressors that we come into contact with, but I find that usually it's, it's dietary stress. That's like the big one for most people, you know? And so some things that we, you know, that we can start just looking at are like, you know, are you eating regular meals? Are you eating breakfast? Are you getting enough protein? Um, you know, are you reducing the intake of foods that can, you know, damage or upset your digestion? You know, like uh, polyunsaturated fats and a ton of roughage because I, I was definitely eating a lot of kale salads back in the day. Um, you know, but, but I think we just, we have to dig deeper, you know, because if we're, if we're just trying to identify a symptom and ask ourselves like what can I do to help bloating like we're missing the deeper picture of like why are you bloated in the first place and the same thing goes with hormonal imbalances you know your periods suck okay well why you know and so I I think that asking that why question is is like the first step I'm just continuing to ask I remember my doctor's appointments I know that you only get like a certain amount of time with your doctor and I I always felt like so rushed but I I swear I walked in with a list of questions like (laughs) and I knew they hated me but um (laughs) yeah just don't ever stop like being your own health advocate and if they can't help you find someone who can um and uh what was I going to say going back to IBS um this is largely I mean just like you said stress induced Mm -hmm. Like it, my, and now that I look back at it, really my health issues started when I was in middle school, I had this deep burning heartburn. It would not stop. I would like cry so bad. It would hurt. And that's when my Tums came to the picture and I started just popping Tums, like no one's business. 
And um, that continued all the way through college and to the point where it like would bring me to the ground, like this heartburn. It was so painful. Oh my gosh. And on top of that, I was drinking and not sleeping well, eating all of the bad foods and not working out and just like had a really poor lifestyle in general. Mm. Uh, well, at least for freshman year, then my life quickly changed, you know, as I started digging deeper into my health. But um, it was like this thing that started at a really young age for me. And I always wondered why, why, why? And this is when I like, I, I love working with women on their fertility journeys because like preconception is so important. Yes. Um, our nutritional imprint, our hormone imprint are definitely, you know, trans, they do um, transfer over to baby in the womb. And we often underestimate that. And so I think doing a solid like year, at least for preconception, depending on like what kind of diet and lifestyle you're coming from, sometimes it can be like two, three years. If yeah. you, for example, come from like a, a vegan plant-based lifestyle, like yeah. we want to make sure that nutrients are restored. And, um, you know, unfortunately, I don't think that my parents had, I mean, this is all new information, I feel like, um, yeah. or at least yeah. coming back and our parents didn't have like access to these tools. And um, I think, you know, when I was born, the, the rise of industrial seed oils were, were already there. Um, yeah. So it's this whole thing of like, I was just very fascinated with my health issues and like where they started. Um, and like, why I was always like, why me, why me, why me? Yeah. Um, and then I just started digging into birth and stuff and like how that had an impact. And I was like, it was mind blown. Yeah. Yeah. It has a major impact on our health for sure. Yeah. Major. And then on top of that, like everything that, you know, happens to us from then on. And mm-hmm. so IBS was just, a diagnosis for years and years of emotions. And then as women too, I think women are more naturally uh, inclined to repress emotions. Mm-hmm. And I always think of that, like any digestive issue, I, I'm just like, okay, what emotions are we suppressing? Uh, Cause I for sure, I don't know if you can relate to any of that, but. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I think in my own case, like even just, even just like the pressure from the fitness industry was, you know, enough to, that sometimes that can be enough to like cause trauma to somebody. But I, I have worked with women who, um, you know, who have health issues. And then when you start digging deeper, there is, there is a past history of trauma and like, that's not something that we can just overlook you know, that, that does need to be addressed and come to the surface. Um, and I actually, I actually worked with a therapist for, um, probably a year or so when I was in PA school, um, because I, I knew that my relationship with food was and my body image was like that bad. Um, so I did work with a therapist and like, I think, I think everybody can benefit from, you know, seeking professional mental health that way too. Oh Yeah. I love, I love therapy. Uh, I think, um, everyone should have their own personal therapist. (laughs) Um, but I also get like talk therapy sometimes isn't the best form of therapy for some people, depending on true. Yeah. They came from, and you know, some people are not ready for that. And I get that, but, um, something that I always recommend to my clients, a good place to start because it removes the electrical charge of any emotions associated with an event, I guess would be EFT. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. Like I do it like pretty much every single day. It's awesome. Just like if you go to YouTube and just type in like EFT for anything, <laughs> something will come up. Yeah. Like um, 
EFT for bloat even. EFT, yeah. I know Teresa, our friend Teresa, Living yes. Roots Wellness, she has so many wonderful IGTVs for like, um, I don't know, even something that I couldn't get past for the longest time was gluten. And ah. having a food, Casey, I am trying gluten for the first time since 2016 intentionally oh my uh, gosh. next week. <laughs> and I'm it's so scheduled excited. it's planned <laughs> well I only say that because I ordered um organic sourdough from a company and they won't be delivering until next oh <laughs> that's amazing though yeah I know but for the longest time I was so like anti-gluten like yeah thing because of I don't know like um a lot of leaders in the functional medicine space will tell you like how terrible gluten is and yeah. that very much created a food fear for me. And I was like, I know what it does to the body. There that was never entering my body on purpose. And I just like, it was this irrational fear. Like it was food. And of course, like quality should come to the equation as well. And sure, I know yeah. some people haven't been able to introduce it, but I think if we're not tolerating a food, it warrants like some further investigation. Yeah, I think so too. And, and you make a good point, you know, quality definitely does matter you know a, a lot of what we're eating now is fortified with iron and you know synthetic nutrients that our body just doesn't really know how to process um so quality definitely makes a difference but i i i feel very similar about that like you know in my training it was very like anti gluten um like everybody should be gluten free but i don't i don't always think that that's the case i just think we have to like you know, just, just really be careful about like our quality and are we digesting it well? Um, and if we're not digesting it well, like what else is going on? So, um, that's exciting. That's really exciting. <laughs> yeah. I will let you know how it goes. I'm very, yeah. very excited. I mean, like I've been okay without it. I, I don't know if I necessarily like miss it. Um, but I don't know, maybe like once I try it, I'll be like, Oh my God, what have I been missing? <laughs> Yeah, good good quality sourdough makes a big difference. <laughs> I don't think I've ever like had any. I don't know. Uh, maybe on accident somewhere, but I don't think I've ever intentionally reached. I don't know. It's been so long. Like I said, 2016 since I've had gluten. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but to your point, like I was just not digesting anything well. I remember my yeah. friends like made fun of me. They were like okay, well, all that's left for you to eat is grass and ice cubes. And, uh, that's not and that, yeah, that doesn't help either. Um, okay. I, I actually um, attended um, a little bit of like, well, I wouldn't call it a seminar. It was just like a short training on like how much food fear uh, can really impact our digestion and really impact our body. Because if we're, if we're afraid to eat something, that's already putting our body into a state of fight or flight into survival mode you know, even just, just being afraid of food or anxious around food is a form of stress. And, you know, when your stress hormones are high, stomach acid is suppressed, so you're not going to digest or absorb it well. So I do think that there's a time and a place for, you know, for really, I guess, kind of like getting curious about food fears, you know, and where those are stemming from and, and how you can, you know, kind of re like rewire your thinking patterns about that. Oh, yeah especially if someone has done a food sensitivity test. Oh yeah. Oh my God. I hate them so much. Yeah. I don't use them. I don't use them either. Cause I'm like, okay, if we see these, like, it's just, it's going to instill that, that, okay, these are bad for me. 
and I can't eat these for now. And so when we go to reintroduce it, it's like they don't want to, or maybe psychologically this, this um, reaction will take place. And I've seen that like uh, clients have come to me with like previous food sensitivity tests, for example. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay. Um, And I'm like, well, why don't you just try the food? Just try the food just to see, like, let's see if you actually do have a reaction. Um, But they can also say like, well, I think I've been creating this reaction for myself because in the past I've had an allergic reaction to the food and, um, so I don't know. It's, it's very much like a mental thing sometimes as well, but also like validating their experience too is important, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I don't really like food sensitivity. <laughs> no, I don't, I, I don't tend to use them, you know, and the other thing about food sensitivity tests is, um, you know, we're also, it, it's kind of also a snapshot of a moving target. Um, you know, so it's not going to be, you know, if, if you're showing that you're reactive to like, 50 different foods, it, it's going to look different in a couple months, you know, if you, if you are taking care of your body. Yeah. I was going to say like, if, if you're having poor digestion, like, of course you're going to be reactive to foods. I don't think exactly a list to really know that. And sometimes I remember yeah. when I got my first food sensitivity test, I was like, I don't know, it was like peas or something that came up on it. And so I was like, I don't, I never thought that I had a reaction to peas and, but I guess I'll yeah. avoid it. <laughs> I don't know. A lot of unnecessary avoidance, I think, with those. Yeah, I agree. But we're coming up on time here. I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. I had so much fun chatting with you. One thing I do like to ask all of my guests who come on the Human Experience Podcast is what makes you human? Yeah, so I've been thinking about this question a lot. Um, But I think at the end of the day, it's the fact that like that everybody is flawed (laughs) Um, and you know because that's really like what makes us human at our core is the fact that nobody is perfect and we all have our own struggles and that looks different from person to person you know Um, and and I think like being able to be vulnerable about it is and being open about it is also really important because you know, nobody, like nobody is perfect and we've all got something going on. You know, I, you know, and and sometimes like, I, I feel this pressure to like, um, you know, to almost have to be like perfect in what we do, but like, I struggle with acne, you know, and, and I still struggle with like food eating tendencies. Um, and so I think that just the fact that we're all like imperfect allows us to all have something in common and, um, and I think that's just the, like at the end of the day, like we're all flawed and it's okay. And it's something that we can, that we can connect over and that we can actually celebrate. I love that so much, Casey. And that was such a good reminder too, because I, I started this podcast. Um, if you like listen to the intro and like read the description, like it's, they're raw, vulnerable conversations and, you know, it is being human. It's this experience that we're having and who knows what happens after that. I don't. Um, but while we're here, I think, like you said, finding that common ground, that's what makes us, I think we all seek connection at the end of the day. And when we see someone on the internet who seems so perfect, like, like obviously what everyone else says, like, it's just a highlight reel and, um, being more vulnerable on our platforms. Like you just said, like you struggle with acne. I struggle with like cold, uh, body temperatures still. And, um, 
you know, I get acne from time to time too. And I think um, I was actually listening somewhere like this is actually a good sign that your body is trying to detox. Like it's trying to do its job. So good. (laughs) (laughs) But um, cool. Well, I enjoyed our conversation today. Same. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was truly a blessing being here. Until next time, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Human Experience Podcast. I always appreciate your love via Instagram DM, so feel free to take a screenshot if you're listening and be sure to tag me on Instagram. And of course, if you feel called to, I would love, love, love to see you leave a five-star rating and review so that others can hear my voice too. Until next time. I wanted to take a brief moment to chat about the relaunch of The Nourished Method, which is my very own signature course that is 12 weeks long and it's going to look a little bit different this time around. So if you were with me last year, I launched The Nourished Method for the first time ever. Thanks so much to the women who joined and gave me incredible feedback for this round so that things can be new and improved. Things are going to look a little bit different. No weekly calls. Um, I feel like a lot of the women got a lot of the answers that they needed from the course and just communicating with me via messenger and the Facebook community. So that's exactly what we're going to do this time around. We're going to have a private Facebook community where all your questions and concerns are going to be answered. I'll be in there every single day. So it's really no different. Um, the course will be dropped all at once. All 12 weeks of modules will be dropped all at once. You'll have the knowledge, wisdom, and tools that I have literally in this course. Um, you'll get trackers, um, meal plans, uh, supplement guides, um, grocery guides, literally so many things, checklists, like the whole nine yards guys. I'm not going to leave you out in the dark. I want you to succeed. I'm also teaming up, teaming up with some really awesome women in the field when it comes to movement and meal plans. You'll get set up with that. You'll get the whole works. Um, I'm really excited for this round, you guys. And the early bird special starting on February the 4th is $297 paying full. There's also a payment plan option for that, and the price will go up at the end of the week of the 4th um, to $4.97, so be sure to sign up early and let me know if you have any questions on Instagram.